Wembley Stadium prepares itself for one of those celebrations. 72,000 packed inside, tens of thousands are still arriving, and half a billion people watching on TV, on satellite around the world. A very good afternoon. Freddie Mercury died of AIDS in November of last year. Love and respect for the man, together with a passionate commitment to do something about the disease, has led to this event. Some of the great names in world rock music, from U2 and Guns N' Roses to Elton John, David Bowie, Lisa Minnelli, and many more. Today they will perform in honor of the man himself, Freddie Mercury, and also collectively to combat the disease which so tragically took away the life of one of rock and roll's great performers. Wembley Stadium in London, England to your house. MTV and Fox present a concert for life. The greatest stars in rock and roll in a worldwide musical tribute to Freddie Mercury and a call to action in the war against AIDS. David Bowie, Def Leppard, Extreme, Guns N' Roses, Elton John, Annie Lennox, Metallica, George Michael, Robert Plant, Seal, Spinal Tap, U2 and more. All join Queens, John Deacon, Brian May and Roger Taylor. And now, a concert for life. Hello everybody, how you doing? I'm John Norris and I want to welcome you to Wembley Stadium in London, a place that's been the scene of many a rock event over the years and I guarantee you in the next four hours you are in store for another. Welcome to the Concert for Life, a tribute to the late, great Freddie Mercury. As you can see behind me, about 72,000 plus are filing into this stadium and I guarantee you they're well psyched for what is uh, going to be four hours of great music. A concert that was uh, first announced a couple of months ago by the surviving members of Queen. They announced it at the Brits Awards, the uh, UK equivalent of the Grammys, and it was intended to be a concert in memory of their late singular frontman Freddie Mercury, who of course died of AIDS-related illness last November. Well, in uh, just three hours, tickets for this entire show sold out without a single artist even having been announced in the lineup, but the lineup is pretty impressive, just about as impressive as you can get if you're a hard rock fan. Included among them, we got Def Leppard, we got Guns N' Roses, we got Extreme, Metallica for you, plus other artists as well. George Michael is here, Elton John, David Bowie, U2 via satellite, and a whole lot more. But you know, this is a concert with actually a twofold uh, purpose. Not only is it intended to uh, be a, memor a memorial to Freddie Mercury, but it's also intended to promote AIDS awareness, because after all, if there's one thing that's going to kill us all as much as AIDS, it's ignorance and misinformation about this disease the world over. We're going to try and dispel some of that uh, this evening. Plus, we're going to have a 900 number a little bit later on for you, so you can call in and phone in a pledge. Thank you, John, and thank you, Tony. And welcome to In the Lap of the Pods, Queen Podcast with Paul Joe and myself, David. As you can probably guess from that intro there, we are going to be discussing the Freddie Mercury tribute concert for AIDS awareness. Now, the concert was held on Easter Monday on the 20th of April 1992 at Wembley Stadium. It was broadcast in the UK on the BBC and presented by Factory Records mogul and broadcaster Tony Wilson. And you probably had uh, yeah, him at the start there, so yeah, yeah. yeah. And we also had MTV, VJ, Lisa Janssen as well as part of the BBC footage. And in the US, it was called A Concert for Life, and that was presented by John Norris. And I think uh, Cindy Crawford, Cindy Crawford. And yeah. was there, and Kurt Loder was, was involved as well doing interviews. Mm -hmm. And the TV footage was actually directed by David Mallet. So there you go. Oh, I didn't um, know that. I don't know sure. if that was necessarily for the, the US or just uh, just the UK. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, David Mallet uh, certainly directed it. Um, 
And in the intro, you heard all you need to hear about this concert. That was one of the reasons why um, we, we opened with that intro there um, with um, uh, John Norris of MTV explaining exactly what's happened. So it saves me all the all the hassle of actually explaining how it all came about. And so I'm a lazy, yeah. lazy man. So that's, You're a lazy that's, bastard. So that's just good. That's good stuff. Uh, before we start, I just want to give a, a big, big shout out to Pete now, Pete is uh, someone we talk to quite a lot on Twitter, and he's left us a donation um, again. Thanks, I think Pete. for probably the third time, you know, or something. So, but uh, so thanks a million, Pete. And I just want to read out his uh, his message that he left us here, listening to the Made in Heaven pod, an absolute joy of a pod. Thought this is free. Please accept this few bob to help with keeping the lights on. So. Nice one, Pete. Thanks very much. Um, Thank you very much, Pete. Yep. Much thanks, appreciated. Pete. Yep. Um, and if uh, you're listening to anything um, that, that you think is worthy of some money, <laughs> then you can you can donate to us, uh, help us, uh, as Pete said, keep the lights on. Yep. And you can do that uh, at PayPal. So that's paypal.me forward slash lap pods. And as usual, get us on Twitter as well, again, at lap pods. And uh, follow us, talk to us, subscribe, all that good stuff, all the stuff that, that makes us feel good about ourselves. Go and do that. That'd be fantastic. Um, all right. So I think what we'll do is we'll we'll crack on and we'll start talking about the tribute concert. So in this episode, we'll only be concentrating on the first half of the concert, which featured Metallica, Extreme, Def Leppard, Spinal Tap, Bob Geldof, U2, Mango Groove, and Guns N' Roses. Basically, all of Freddie's favourite bands. So Absolutely. You yeah, too? Yeah. Aye. You too, mate. We'll talk about that later, mate. Don't worry about it. I, mean, I, I, I missed Joe, that. Joe's looking a bit confused, but we'll, we'll, I've got a few <laughs> things to say about that, actually, when we come to it. So, um, you know. I'll be glad to hear it, because I have no idea what you're talking about, man. I didn't even realise you <laughs> two were playing this fucking thing. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so yeah, um, we'll hear from a few different people um, throughout the episode. So you'll, this episode will be peppered with uh, little voices, little voices, or just voices even, um, from various people. And we'll hear from writer and journalist David Geldard, who was there on the day, as well as some of our listeners who have left, left messages talking about their day there or watching it on TV like we three were. We weren't there. We were watching it on TV. Yeah. Like- um. If you have left a message and you're wondering where the rest of your chat is and you think I've just taken it and just discarded it, I've not. I've cut it so that all the chat relevant to part one is there and we'll leave all your chat relevant to part two for the next part, which is obviously all the Queen Plus performances. And equally, if your chat was mainly just about the Queen Plus performances, you'll hear your your chat on that episode as well. All right. Hopefully that makes some sort of sense to somebody. Um, so we'll not be reacting to your comments I'm just going to let them play because um, there's quite a lot to discuss and uh, I think if we started picking apart everything you're saying the, the podcast would be three hours long um, just in the part one <laughs> so we won't be but um, we're going to just basically let the listeners decide if you deserve abuse or praise for your opinions So sounds fair I think that's alright, I think that's cool Anyway, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into talking about this concert. So I think we would all agree that the tribute concert was something we were all keen to see. Um, 
and after hearing the announcement, obviously on the Brit Awards. So what I'm going to say is, I'm going to sorry, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to Paul and I'm going to get your initial thoughts. So what were your feelings about it when you watched it live on the day? Um, I, I've been having a hard time actually remembering mm-hmm. watching yeah. it. Um, I, I mean, I definitely watched it. I think I, I was actually ill that particular day. I think I had the flu and I watched it on a black and white telly up in my room in my bed. It only compound the absolute grimness of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure I did. And uh, my then girlfriend at the time who became my first wife, remember from the Innuendo podcast, the one that laughed when Freddie died and all this, oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she she was hanging about and I, I was just dying for her to get to fuck so I could get peace to watch <laughs> the concert. You know? I should have been a dead signer, mate. I, I know, there were so many signs. Uh, you know? I, I, I think Freddie was like throwing all these signs then get fucking run away, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I think I was, yeah, I, I wasn't too well at the time and I, was, I watched it on a, a little black and white portable telly and obviously, David and Brian, mother, brother, and uh, the rest of my family would have been downstairs watching it on the, the colour telly, and, and uh, we were recording it as well. So we had it on, you know, so I, I would have watched it in the days after, you know. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I, I remember, and, I, and, and I, I have no recollection of what I thought about when was the lineup announced? Was it? I think it was very close to the actual yeah. date itself. I don't think yeah. it was... I think, well, I, you'll hear this from some of the, 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 the people that have left messages, even yeah. to the point where uh, I think it's Leighton. You'll hear from Leighton. He's got a very funny story about actually coming to realise who's actually playing it. I'll not give yeah. too much away. I seem to recall being quite surprised at you know, um, how heavily weighted towards the rock world or metal world or whatever yeah. uh, however you want to call it um that it was you know that the bands that played um and they uh, because i you know a tribute concert or uh, any these charity things you, you're just thinking of uh, phil collins and eric clapton and you know blah 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 all the usual suspects you know um and and more maybe pop orientated acts and all that kind of stuff um so yeah, it was, and and, I, and again, as we've said before, it, it's like a validation because you're a Queen fan, but you're also into metal and rock and all that, and you're seeing these guys playing, um, and ordering this this you know this man who you know um, we all think is amazing, um, and they, so it, it was like two worlds coming together almost, and and it, it gives you a fucking great feeling. It's like. These are, you know, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, especially, you know, um, Extreme and <laughs> Def Leppard, maybe not so much, but, but you know, uh, uh, coming from that 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 end of the spe- the, the musical spectrum, it's like a validation that that, that rock music is fucking here and it's not going away and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it was good um, uh, to see that, and uh, yeah, and, and it was. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to get rid of my my girlfriend at the time as well was because I was fucking quite emotional as well. 
I, I think I had lots of tears in my eyes, you know, th- you know, at various points through through the concert. Maybe not so much, uh, you know, at the part we're talking about now, you know, the the, the bands that were playing, but certainly later on when the, you know the Queen songs were happening. Um, yeah, aye, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a good concert, you know. There's certainly, <laughs> certainly lots of lots to talk about, yeah. lots of talking points in it, you know, um, lots of bizarre stuff and. Yeah, um, but we'll we'll get to that over the next two episodes. Yeah, so aye. I think it's that it endures. It still endures to be one of the most curious concerts yeah, ever. Strange, you know, it's just it's just it's even even the even the time having it having an open air concert in Britain in April. You know, that's aye, that's just for trouble. Pretty bad because yeah, it's. <laughs> And the weather turned out to be, and the weather, weather turned out to be excellent, you know. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it, Joe. Um, your thoughts on the day? Do you remember much about the, you know, watching it on TV at the time? Um, well, it was the day after my thirteenth birthday, actually. <laughs> That's right. So, um, I remember being all excited for, well, you know, excited for it, you know, being coming from my birthday being the day before and stuff like that, and I'm actually thinking back, why did why did we not watch it together? We were friends at that point. I think probably because it was like a six o'clock kickoff dinner and normally, time. yeah, dinner may normally be mm. holed up in our own houses at that point. We were we were kind of daytime. Aye, we'd, we'd aye. cut about in the daytime, going to record shops during the day, and then aye, that's right. We'd yep. split up, go and get our dinner, and see each other the next day. So I think probably aye. that was probably the reason. I would say aye, because I was trying to work that out. Obviously, aye. you know, because obviously we, we were friends for about a year at that point. So I was like, why? Why six months? Maybe work, maybe aye, or something, aye, something like that. Anyway, just but, after Freddie died, I think we. That's of, right. True. That's right. I think it was like a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, I remember watching this with my brother Gary, who we've mentioned umpteen times. It's like um, he's my Paul. Um, uh-huh. You know, he, he was my older brother. It was into Queen and stuff like that. Um, and I remember we watched it, you know, from start to finish. And at the time, I, I was very much into Metallica at that point. Metallica, especially Metallica and Guns N' Roses, they were like two of my favourite bands at that point. Um, uh, really uh, influential to me at the time and. I remember kind of being like, same as Paul, I was like, Metallica are playing this, do you know what I mean? And obviously I'd heard the cover of Stone Cold Crazy, and so I knew they were obviously into Queen, but, you know, it was kind of weird because I knew this was going out on normal television, and to me, Metallica were still an underground band at this point. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't they weren't the, the colossal name. You know, every, you ask your granny who Metallica are, and was, she'll know the name. But back then, they were still very underground. They hadn't really kicked off proper. Because I think the Black Album had only just been out maybe six months or something. Yeah, like the Black Album was gaining traction, certainly, um, at that mm-hmm. point. It, pro- it probably, in fairness, had shifted a couple of million by that point already. Aye. But it didn't go, you know, it wasn't anywhere close to what it ha- it's sold now, you know. But, Aye. Uh, it was still exactly. big stuff, but... And, um, sorry to cut in, Joe, but I was just... No, no, no. At the time, I, I remember even at the time thinking, like, even Extreme following them because I mean it was already pretty obvious that the, the black album was, was dominating was, exactly was was mm. really getting turning out to be a huge album maybe it was, it was a case just, of get the heavy guys out the way first could be, could I be think that's probably that, been but, what yeah, it was personally be, but, but I remember um the highlight you know I can actually remember getting really excited on Metallica the first band on and I rem- actually really remember when they came on and and being like, oh, this is the, the fucking best thing ever. Do you know what I mean? That I was like, this is this is my my band. You know, like I said at the time that I was very much a big big Metallica fan, and I, um, that was great. And um, so that kicked it off really well for me. And then obviously, you know, I wasn't a fan of Extreme, <laughs> but you know, I, I bear with it, and I'm definitely not a fan of Def Leppard. But I'll, we'll go into that in detail. 
but obviously Guns N' Roses, massive. And then obviously the things that came later on, you know, there was there was moments where I was like, had a big big smile on my face. There was moments that I really wasn't very happy about certain people's performances of certain songs. We'll probably get into that later on in another pod, but it was a very important day for me um, and my brother as well. You know, I remember the two is staying up and I think, you know, we didn't pretty much leave the, the, the television screen. We were kind of, unless it was somebody really shit like Lisa Stansfield or something, that would be like a piss break, like, like Lisa Stansfield's or whatever, but so you're giving away your, your, your opinion already on, on some right. of the artists. At least I stand. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't think I'll be a massive shock to anybody there. But um, <laughs> but that's not to say there's not there's good there's great pop acts played at the Freddie Mercury concert. Yeah. So it's not a dig at pop Absolutely. music. George Michael being one of the best that performed yeah, at it. Deep, you know what I mean? Uh, great. But uh, yeah, colossal um, day for me. Um, and I, I don't think my dad watched it. I think it was just me and Gary that watched mm. it. I think he maybe came in later on, you know, from the pub, you know, typical. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, caught maybe the last, like, maybe hour of it or whatever, but I just yeah. strongly remember it being the both of us. But, yeah, it was a big deal at the time, and it was it was fun uh, revisiting it, though, you know, for, for the purpose of the pod. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think my, my memories are very similar to both of you. Um, it's, um, well, apart from being... Out with the flu and watching it on a black and white TV right enough, <laughs> but um, you know it was the same thing. You know, very, you know, anticipating it for for the weeks leading up to it, and um, again hearing the bands that were that were getting announced, I was I was just as surprised as, as you guys. It was Metallica was a big surprise. That was like Metallica, aye, that was, you know. Like, um, what's going on here? You know, because again they were massive for me, same as Joe at the time, and and uh, so that was great. It was a real treat to to kind of see Metallica there, and. Um, yeah, I mean, even going on to the full day, I mean, I remember even like having like the two cassettes, like video cassettes available because I knew one was eventually going to run out and it's ejecting it and, <laughs> and getting the other one ready, uh, firing it in as quickly as possible to, to start recording again. And Yeah, we've, we've, we've videoed it as well. We recorded it also, yeah. Yeah, so it's just yeah. kind of like, um, you know, I remember that part. And I don't really, there's, there's certain things I remember and there's, there's, there's a little snippets of conversation I remember myself and Joe having about it, talking about it after the fact, but my memory's a bit hazy overall. Yep. Um, I'll be honest, um, and I think it's probably more hazy because you've had the opportunity to watch it again many times through the years. So eventually, your your memory of the actual day dilutes mm. because you're actually you're, you're refreshing it. Yeah, exactly. Your memories of the last time you watched it, probably you know. So, so I think um, there's only a few wee things that I actually remember um, about conversations or or you know around about it and, and all the rest of it. But um, but yeah, I remember thinking. I remember being quite resentful of. I I, I kind of struggled. I remember the only thing I do remember is I kind of struggled with the Queen Plus performances. Aye, me as well. I, I just I just hated the fact that anybody was else was there. Aye, to sing for these songs. Aye, 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 yeah. aye, sorry, I 100% was exactly the same. I was like, yeah. why, why are these people trying to sing this guy's songs? Because yeah. they, they can't do it justice. Yeah. I really, I just really struggled with it. And I was like, you know, it, there were moments, I mean, Hetfield with Stone Cold Crazy was yeah. great. And then, you know, that did put a smile on my face yeah, and things me too. like that. Um, but I, I remember being quite resentful of, you know, the praise that George Michael got. Oh, he could do Freddie. He could tour with Freddie. And I, I remember, I remember being like, no. No one can. No one should go out and tour with Queen. Nobody. Queen are finished. You're going to be really, really 
kind of yeah. really like militant about it. Yeah. Um, as a you know a young kid, like just not like kind of really seeing any. But your opinion, area. But your opinion's still spot on because the, the, George Michael in another universe, if he went out with Queen, it would have been ridiculous. He, he couldn't sing the rock songs. No, no, he'd have been great at the hits and stuff. I think. Um, I like radio Gaga things aye, like that. He'd have done he, the fun. Aye, sorry, David. <laughs> I'm just saying, ah, he's not got the he's not got the hard edge, and I think that's where he would have struggled, you know, like you say, Joe, um, on the kind of harder stuff. But, but anyway, fantastic singer, and I think we'll all agree, <laughs> you know, um, I think most of the listeners agree that probably was, um, you know, the best performance, if not one of them, the best performances um, of that whole set. Um, so before we delve into the first performance from Metallica, why don't we hear from our good Twitter friend? Leighton. How the hell am I going to sum up the Freddy tribute in 90 seconds? Uh, one of the best days of my life. Uh, the tickets were bought by my parents as uh, a, an 18th birthday present. My birthday came later in that year, same day as Brian's. Thank you, Mother Nature. Thank you, Mother. And it was just amazing. The weather was phenomenal. My brother and I got the train down to London. We stayed at relatives in Stanmore, so we were half an hour door-to-door tops and spent the day at Wembley from nine o'clock in the morning till four o'clock when they opened the uh, the gates. We could hear the bands rehearsing. We could hear the, 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 the various bands sound checking, rehearsing during the day, which was brilliant. We were just surrounded by the most amazing crowd of wonderful people, all like us that were there just to pay tribute to a man that we missed and we loved um, and we still do. The biggest cheer of the day, the single biggest cheer of the entire event was when John Richard Deacon stepped forward and spoke at the beginning of the show. Um, We'd had Brian, we'd had Roger, but the roar that went up for Deakey, knowing what it would take for him to to come forward and actually speak uh, on that stage, uh, just amazing. Uh, The second biggest scream I think I heard was the two girls in front of us when uh, Metallica came on because uh, their daddy had got them George Michael tickets to come and see George Michael at Wembley uh, that was their only reason for being there and suddenly here's these four hairy herberts uh, with noisy guitars, they didn't like that Extreme were amazing they did to that gig what Queen did to Live Aid, they just bossed it and for us it felt like there was four of us up on stage, we knew how much they loved Queen. We knew how much they loved Freddie, and it was a, a killer set. And obviously, after hearing all the original material, to have that Queen stuff just played beautifully and impeccably um, was incredible. And they just they got the event. They got it. Uh, the, the hair standing up on my arms just now thinking about it. Right, okay, so why don't we delve in then? Why don't we uh, start talking about the bands that opened the whole the whole show up? Um, so we started off uh, with the three members of Queen, the remaining members, of course, coming out and uh, introducing the concert, I guess. And uh, you've got Roger, Brian and John uh, speaking individually. You know, starts off with Brian, goes to Roger, and then John starts speaking, and then you get this big, massive roar because everyone's... Mm-hmm. Really pleased to hear John speak on stage, which has never happened at that point, you know, at any point in any Queen gigs. Yeah, 
work and dreams of one Freddie Mercury. We're going to give him the biggest send-off in history. Okay, today's for Freddie. It's for you. It's to tell everybody around the world that AIDS affects us all. That's what these red ribbons are all about. You can cry as much as you like. John's got something to tell you. Hello. First of all, Brian, Roger and myself would like to thank all the artists who are performing here today in London. And they've given their time and energy to make this tribute to Freddie a reality and to happen today. First of all, the show must go on and we'll start with an American band, three times Grammy Award winners, please welcome Metallica. It's great, it's great to hear John. You hear how nervous he is as well, and he's really his voice is really kind of really breaking and stuff. He's really, really nervous. And then he just finds it, finds it in himself to go, Metallica. Like that. Amazing. You know, you're just amazing. like brilliant, <laughs> amazing. It just sounds so like cool and forceful and just like he like, right. can't wait to see them, even though he probably doesn't think of a shit about them. But it was just the way he introduced them was that's perfect. That was better than Roger could have done, Brag. It was it was like a hundred percent agree. I we still... feel that guy, that guy saying uh, every band, you know, like yep. uh, when I imagine John would have been giving Metallica to, to maybe that was a, maybe an in joke, maybe it, maybe it could have been, it could have like, been. Oh, uh... we'll, get, we'll get John to, to you know, <laughs> the least heavy metal guy in the in Queen to to, uh, to introduce the most heavy metal band of the day. <laughs> Quite possibly, it could have been, it could have been Brian and John having a wee bit, yeah, a wee bit of a moment, Roger, possibly, right? yeah, yeah. Right, You're totally. introducing Metallica, John. <laughs> Um, brilliant, but I uh, know the way he introduced them was just fantastic. Always puts a smile on my face, and um, and I think, um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a bit when John starts to speak and Brian puts his fist up like that. And I thought initially, when I watched, because I've watched that a few times back, I thought initially he was doing that with his fist, he's putting his fist up as to say, Go on, John, kind of thing, and and good on you or something, because obviously, try, try to back him up because he's always clearly nervous, mm-hmm. yeah. But then you see Roger next to him. Roger does the get up you thing as well, like that, to somebody in the crowd. <laughs> so you know when you when you when you do the thing with the fist and you pump uh, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. pump it up is to say get up you. Aye, of course. And I. Roger does that right after. So there must have been somebody somebody well, that didn't quite like in the that, crowd, you know. That comes from the same side that Axel says shove, shove it. Shove it. Aye, there so, must have yeah, been a heckler. There must have aye, been a heckler or a banner or something. You one know, one of these uh, uh, anti Axel people. Uh, it could have been something like that or something uh, possibly, but um, we're not going to get, you know, there's a, an old debate and a, dis- well, a, debate, but a discussion around that. We're not going to get into that in this pod because, you know, no. it's it'd take half an hour to discuss it, to be honest. But um, you all know about the controversy. You don't need us to discuss it, you know, make up your own minds about the situation, you know. Yeah, so then Metallica, they, they hit the stage, man, and it's and, and uh, James is, James opens up with the Inter Sandman riff and we're into Metallica. And I... What a way to open the gig, because probably for a lot of, uh, you know, we've talked about the different the different Queen fans that are out there, you know, different fans, the pop Queen fans, the more rock Queen fans, the ones that just like about everything, you know, whatever. Um, but I think for the ones more rooted in the pop and the the hits and stuff, I think it must have been a bit of a... Oh, shock, yeah, 100%. A bit of a, you know, why are these guys even here kind of thing, you know? So... Yeah. Um, but they were there because I think Brian and Roger recognised that they were Queen fans. And and the way Lars even talks about in the press leading up to the gig, you see some of that on YouTube, actually, some really good footage talking about 
Freddie Mercury's a musician, talking about Queen as musicians and how important their music was. I mean, these guys were massive Queen fans. Right. We've talked through the Queen pods about James Hetfield being a massive Brian May fan, you know, and and, and actually how he harmonises, especially on Injustice for All and things like that. Yeah. Um, so we have discussed that in passing on the Queen pods. So this band absolutely legitimately deserve to be there from a point of view of being massive Queen fans. But what I would say is just before we get into Metallica's performance, the feeling is this was probably more a tribute to Queen overall than a tribute to Freddie. I think that would be the only criticism mm-hmm. you could possibly yeah, yeah. level at this concert. It was more like oh, a, aye, a, aye. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, you can decide if you think that's right or wrong or if I'm I'm not really saying it's right or wrong. I'm just it felt more about Queen's music as opposed to celebrating Freddie's life. Is it so? one hundred percent agree? Yeah. But I, I I I think if it was a one hundred percent um you know, Freddie Mercury concert tribute, it would have been a very niche lineup. It would have been probably even weirder than it already was. You would have probably had Aretha Franklin. You know, I mean, if you were really going to go after the people that Freddie was yeah. admi- an admirer of, you would have had to, like Aretha Franklin, you'd have maybe you'd have maybe had like uh, obviously you had Robert Plant there anyway. Yeah. But you'd have probably had like Boy George because he was right into that at the time. Yeah, yeah. It would have been it would have been the thing is, I know. The thing is, I know. I know. I know. Like even Freddie was a massive Prince fan as well. You know, what I mean, it's like it. I think even if like your know, Prince was there, that would have made a lot of sense because I remember um, it was. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Peter Freestone talking about. Mm-hmm. I think it was the sign of the Times live video uh, when people came over to his house. He was constantly popping the video in. And oh, really? You need to see this concert, you know, and playing it and stuff, you know. So, um, so yeah, and I think. Um, to be honest, I think some of these artists would have been cool to see. Aretha Franklin play a set, you know. Oh, that would have been amazing. Prince yeah. played a yeah, set, fuck, but definitely. I'd have still wanted Metallica there as well. I'd have still wanted Guns N' Roses there, you know. Um, but you got Lisa but yeah. Stansfield. Yeah, well, later on. Aye. Not in this part. No, not in this part. <laughs> I've not got a problem with Lisa Stansfield's performance, actually. That's, that's no, strange. Nah, it's not, the, it's not the worst, man. Yeah. Zuccaro's probably up there, man, with the worst. <laughs> It's weird because I've not really delved into part two yet, so I'll need I to... Just, that's just from memory from watching it ah, 29 memory, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the ones I was throwing things at the TV saying, get this fucking guy off, he's shit. Aye, <laughs> uh, so I suppose, um, yeah, so going back to Metallica, so they hit the stage, they play three songs, they play Enter Sandman, they play Sad But True, and they play Nothing Else Matters. Um, the only thing I thought, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but... It probably still went Enter Sandman, nothing else matters, sad but true. Yeah. Because I felt Enter no, leaving on nothing else matters. I bet I can yeah. add it into the set. Ah, yeah. You know, just end the set, right? See, later, you know, just end the way. It's cool. You end it that way. But that's just me. I think the air kind of went a bit out of the performance a wee bit with that. And I think at a certain point, Run about the middle and nothing else matters. It was as if the the, the energy had went out. Yeah, the crowd went away. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, 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 the crowd, the crowd, the crowd weren't weren't with them, and I think they were kind of leaving a little bit. It's easy to say that the crowd weren't with them, but how do you move to nothing else matters? Yeah, I, well, that's true. That, you know, there's nothing they could do with your body to really suggest Aye. I'm into this. I'll go, yeah, fucking Metallica, man, fucking, yeah. you know, what you got today? You know, get, the, fuck, like, get the fucking horns up. After the fucking people there to be holding up the credit cards, never mind the fucking horns, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but the thing is, like, um, when when they hit the stage and and they kicked in and 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 uh-huh. it, and it eventually kicks into the main riff, they do the crowd are gone nuts. The oh, crowd, are, the crowd are well, up uh, well up for it, you know. And it, and it's it's in true Queen fashion, isn't it? A swift boot in the boys. Yeah, from exactly. the, the, the start, start. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Aye, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. and, and true Queen tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I that's no, I'm just saying, that's the thing. I mean, it's like um, you know, obviously they've chosen three black album songs. Um, you know, which which makes sense. They're promoting that album. They've only got fifteen minutes. It makes a lot of sense. That's 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 the three songs they pick. But it would have been cool to hear like. Black and uh, <laughs> you know, Damage Inc. or something. Damage Incorporated, man. Uh, a billion like, people. That would have been <laughs> fucking funny. I think they were hoping. I think they were hoping for that, but that, that's not what we got. Uh, but we got we got those three, three songs, and and we were talking just before we started recording. They were fucking heavy, man. heavy, man. Proper yeah. heavy. Yep. Because when I was listening, when I was watching it, I was I was like obviously aware of after the fact. You know, twenty nine years later. And I was still when I watched it again, I was like, "This, this is still heavy as fuck." Like, yeah. and I know that Metallica backstage footage of them at the Freddie Mercury tribute, their bass player Jason Newstead's kind of speaking to the camera, and he's saying he's talking about the song "Sad But True," and he's like, "You know how "Sad But True" usually sounds like." He says, "Now it sounds like and I'm thinking, "Fucking didn't sound like that when you went on, man." So they must have got their way. They must have definitely got their way. And it just, uh, it just sounds so nasty. Yeah. And it's weird because it's Enter Sandman, but I don't yeah. know if it's just the context that it's in, and you know what, what it, the, you know that the people that are playing it aren't really heavy metal fans, so it almost makes it. You project it's, your project yeah. onto it, their performance, yeah. and it seems like you put yourself into the mindset of someone that is into metal listening to that. Yeah. And it, it was, it's like it's like a heavy kick in the balls, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's coming, you know. It's, it's, you know, we talk about it. I think we might even talk about, you know, Metallica and Passing Again and the Black Album and stuff. And, and we're all fans. All three of us are fans of the Black Album. Yes, it's a massive commercial album, but it's it's heavy. Dark, dark it's, album. It's, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic album. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, I, just to make the point as well, I mean, these songs are catchy songs, though, as well. You know, mm. so I think yeah, even, the I think even like the, the, the rock fan and stuff that's more into maybe, maybe like Def Leppard or something, you know, that they were maybe waiting on Def Leppard more than Metallica or whatever, would probably still appreciate Enter Sandman and, you know, things yep. like that because there's a hook there and uh, <laughs> oh, just something popped into my head. I was watching, obviously watching these sets for, you know, in prep for the, for the pod and uh, my five-year-old son when Enter Sandman was on, it's a bit, he sings, and it, no, it wasn't my five year old, it was my eight year old, sorry. And he thought he was singing Sexy Life. Sexy Life. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's gold, man. Sexy Life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should have been the words, man. Sexy Life would have been better, definitely. <laughs> aye. I wouldn't have been quite the hit that it was, right? Enough. Uh, probably. Maybe, know, maybe, maybe in the rubber clubs next to uh, Steam Power, man. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> possibly. Aye. Steam Power and Enter Sandman. That gives, aye, it, aye. It, it gives it Enter Sandman. <laughs> how old you? I dimension. Context. I am. I mean, I, th- I thought I thought Metallica were tight as fuck. Oh, they oh, were oh, absolutely tight. Well, Bang well, on. Man. And Lars Ulrich looked like a drummer. He looked like a drummer. He sounded like oh, a drummer. Played well, played he played well. brilliantly. Um, and he's not one of our, any of our favourite drummers, but he, he, he hats off to him. He played a blinder. The thing, I, 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 I totally agree. And I think the, the thing that I really noticed and I've seen, obviously, through the years since then, Lars is like probably the worst drummer in a big band ever. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He's terrible. He's absolutely like now he is. I mean, the guy, I mean, to call him a drummer is actually an insult to drummers. Yeah. But at that point, he was stuck. He still gave enough of a fuck that he was actually playing with, with, with a lot of intensity. He was really laying into the drums and his tempo, he's actually, his timing was excellent. The guy didn't yeah. fluff mm-hmm. anything. No. And he, he kept all those, I mean, those. Like the sad but true has got a, a definite pace to it. It's mm-hmm. actually harder for anybody that doesn't really know. It's actually harder to play something really slow and yeah. really on time. I just and he, a and groovy he, pace. I, that dude, and he absolutely yeah, dude. nails it. Uh, yeah. And he's like I said, the guy is putting everything into those yeah. hits. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a time, a, a place in time where he was he was good. Unfortunately, yeah. that time has passed. Yeah, yeah. But no, cuts off to him absolutely. And um it's, it's interesting as well because we, we I guess we kind of touched upon it about the sales of the Black Album and all that and Extreme following Metallica and all this kind of stuff but it's, it's crazy when you actually think about it um, almost I would say all the other three bands combined Metallica are bigger than you know it's mm. what they opened the gig but almost you see Guns N' Roses are still a huge draw because obviously we formed and all that but I would guarantee you if you put tickets up for sale for Wembley Stadium for Metallica versus Guns N' Roses. The Metallica ones will be gone in an hour. The Guns N' Roses ones will still be tickets left a couple of weeks later. That's the difference now. Metallica are probably the biggest, you probably know. Probably because rock, they're being con- you know, consistently consistent, still yeah. going and playing going and, and stuff like that. Music. Aye. Ah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to get into the debate of how the quality of their music and all that, but aye. it's interesting because they're, you know, they're ex- exponentially aye. bigger than Extreme. Aye. Definitely but at the time, well, aye. huge. They were fucking massive. They were one of the biggest rock bands in the world, absolutely. But even Def Leppard, they're now doing package tours and stuff. And, you know, it's like... So package tours. You know, that's it with Motley Crue and things like that. It's, it's just interesting that Metallica are open up and now they, they, they would outsell anybody on that bill now, you know. It's I, like, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, Metall- and not even just that, but Metallica, besides Queen and, and maybe Bowie, hmm. probably have sold more records now than anybody on that played at that gig. Aye, aye. Quite possibly, aye. I never thought of that. Anybody that played at that gig, yeah, like Metallica sold something like two hundred million albums or something. It's ridiculous, you know. And even even, like you're saying, they opened that that fucking thing. They were the underdogs. I mean, the Black Album itself has done about sixty, sixty million or something. I I think in just the states or something. Aye, so I I don't know about that, but it's certainly it's 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 insane amounts of because even obviously the illusions sold well, but they sort of tapered off, you know. And you know, the Black Album will sell. I aye. imagine will sell thousands every year, you know, still. And the, the, the illusions aye. will probably not do as well as that kind of thing, you know. So I, I read somewhere that it still sells between five and 6,000 copies a week. A week, there, yeah. The Black man. Album. So, That's bananas. Insane, isn't it? Insane. It's that, probably a lot of people, a lot of Metallica fans buy their third and fourth copy and all that, you know, because yeah, uh, right. I've worn them down or, or this new new reissues or whatever. But, it, but when you actually listen to that record, I know it's not a Metallica pod, but, but I mean... It really is a, a classic. Yeah. It's up there with your back in blacks and, yeah. and things like that. Absolutely. It really is. 100%. 100%. Totally. Okay, right. Let's take a wee quick interlude. Uh, we are going to hear from Pank. My name is Pank, um, and I was at the Tribute concert on the 20th of April, 1992. And... Overall, I found it a satisfying experience. I didn't feel particularly uplifted. And there was a little percentage of me that didn't really want to be there because it shouldn't have happened. Um, I, we lost him. And so I felt like I had to be there, although my heart, to start with, wasn't really in it. Um, and everything about the day was enjoyable. 
there were a lot of tears around from people who were standing around me and um, it was just an enjoyable experience. The only time I have to say I felt really elevated and, and, and felt as though this was a wonderfully powerful, uplifting show was when George Michael did Somebody to Love. All the other performances were worthy and decent of the um, uh, of the atmosphere, but it was a satisfying evening. And uh, the only wonderfully funny moment was Elton and Axl Rose embracing each other at the end of Bo Rap. Shortly after, of course, um, Guns N' Roses had been accused of some fairly unpleasant homophobic stuff, but uh, that was back then. Anyway, those are those are my thoughts. I still have the T-shirts. I still have the program. It had to happen. But my God, I wish it hadn't. See ya. All right, let's crack on. And uh, we're going to talk about the next band on here, and it's Extreme. Right, so... Right, so I, I, I've kind of got... And I remember talking back, you know, as we talked about your memory of the time. Um, and what you remember. And I remember more about the conversations I had about the concert with Paul and Joe after the fact. There's just wee nuggets I remember. And one of the things I remember was Paul talking to Paul about Extreme and the way Brian introduced them. So Brian introduced them like, you know, these are this band are real friends. And the only band that really truly understands what Queen have been all about all these years. And I remember... Uh, and 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 I and then I remember Paul saying, "Oh, I is every other band on the fucking bill." It's just, it's just I. And and you're right because when I watched it again recently, I was like, "I it was like you know Metallica have just absolutely come on and ripped ripped a fucking mm-hmm. great set." And, and it's like, them. "I do you know what that band before doesn't matter. This band matters." I know that wasn't his intention. I'm sure he's a Metallica fan. I know he wasn't meaning that, but I used to pick his words a bit more carefully on the day. After. And I know his emotions are all over the place. I'm not trying to be a dick about the guy, but. I just thought you were right, Paul. I thought it was a bit insensitive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Extreme come on, they do the Queen medley um, for about, what is it, 10, 12 minutes, something like that, a medley of Queen songs. 20. Um, I was a full set because then they played Love of My Life and More Than Once. Sorry, so, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I don't know what the exact time when the Queen medley was, but they come on and do that. Now, Extreme again, another fairly big rock band at the time, you know, uh, the, you know, more than words, it, it was, was huge and all that. Right, I'll, I'll just throw it at Paul, you've not really said much. Um, you know, myself and Joe probably do, dominated the, the Metallica chat. So, and, I, and I'm, I'm a massive Extreme fan, so <laughs> obviously, I would want to talk about them. Um, um, it's a difficult one because. They actually play it really well. There's nothing wrong musically with what they do. And Gary Chiron is an all right singer. He's not my cup of tea. He's a bit shouty. He's not, he's not really got any, there's no character to his voice. He's just a kind of Dave Lee Roth type clone kind of guy, you know. Yellow. One of these early guys. Aye. You know, um, you know, that, has missed out the R&B bit of, you know, being a rock singer, you know. Aye, totally. Has went straight to the shouting, you know, the top of his range, you know. Uh, so, but Nuno Betancourt is a fucking fabulous guitar player. Um, oh, and, and even at the time, I, I acknowledged that, you know. Um, I used to go to rock clubs at the time and they would play uh, Get the Funk Out, which was, a, you know. A I had that seven inch. 
Yeah, that, 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 is, that is a decent tune. Uh, and the, the album it was on porno graffiti it was a, it's a funk metal kind of thing it's like you know dance you know metal that you could dance to it's not really metal but you know yeah. um, party um, rock yeah yeah and, and it's listen it's, it's alright if that's what you're into but um, I, I was all about the heavy and all that and um, the, the, these guys weren't on my radar at all um, and, and especially more than words more than words can go and fuck itself um, <laughs> you know the aforementioned girlfriend that I married guess what her first song was at our wedding get the funk out get the funk out <laughs> <laughs> what's the fuck it was you should have listened to Gary <laughs> that would have been better it's uh, been sexy life man that would have been a fucking better <laughs> sexy, uh, sexy life, life. <laughs> uh, fuck enter the uh, sand man so yeah um, so as you might have uh, uh, I've, I've kind of hinted here that I'm not a big fan of extreme. On the day, um, I just found it bizarre that they'd done a Queen set, and I, I, you know, even even at that early stage, you realised that you know, well, obviously later on we're going to be doing Queen songs because the, the the band, the rest of the band, Queen are going to come on and do stuff, so they'll do Queen songs. So why the fuck are this band doing Queen songs? But anyway, that that's a different that. that there's a whole story behind that, and if you want to go and there's you know Nuno Bettencourt talks about it on YouTube, and yeah. um, so uh, yeah, I, I, it was all right. It was you know what I will say is uh, love of my life at the end. Uh, the guitar playing is fucking exquisite. Um, uh, the the acoustic playing by Nuno Bettencourt is just top notch, fucking better than Brian actually. Um, just the wee flourishes and all that, just brilliant. Um, I really liked that. And then they go and spoil it, begin into you know more than words, but you know, hey ho. Um, and uh, and another thing, the <laughs> the drummer Pat is it Pat Badger? His name his is face is the faces he pulls are fucking annoying. Aye, man. It's not just his face; <laughs> he's the stiffest looking drummer I've ever seen. Uh, it's like he's rigid. It's like, loosen up, you fucker. And, and, you know? and he looks like he should be playing in fucking Bronski beat. Yeah, man. he's meant to be playing <laughs> funk, metal or whatever. Well, fucking loosen up and get into the groove, man. Fuck I wanted to punch his face off, man, because he's like just he was pulling these really annoying <laughs> faces, man. It's weird, I never even noticed that, man. Um, so, aye, so that, <laughs> so that's all I've got to say in, in, in Extreme. It was, it was, it was okay. Um, it was... Yeah, but a wee bit bizarre. You know, play, play your I, own I, stuff. I, I think, I think I'm, I, I've kind of like, you know, as I tend to do with, with certain things that I'm wrestling with, I, I wrestled with this whole thing, the whole extreme thing, them playing Queen medleys and, you know, the Brian thing. Brian, obviously, as Paul alluded to, Brian requested that they didn't play um, play the Queen songs because we're going to hear them later and I don't want the audience to be confused or whatever's going on, you know. And, and I get it. And, one part of me thought, oh, do you know what? It took it took some balls to actually go on and not play your own stuff and just yeah. have a tribute to Queen and a tribute to Freddie and say, do you know what? We're just going to let's just have a party and have, have fun and all that and all the rest of it. So there's that side that I kind of get. But see, ultimately, see if Brian May says to you on on something you've been invited to, can you yeah. please not do that? Yes, sir. No, sir. That's respectful. Yeah. I, 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 th- I thought he still respected Brian's wishes and just said, do you know what, Brian? You're right. Sorry, mate. Like, we'll just play our, play our own tunes, and you're the boss. You're the governor. 
anything you say. We're just yep. so privileged mm-hmm. to be here. So I think that that kind of thing, you know, saying, you know, no, we're going to and dug his heels in. I, initially, I wasn't too bothered by it, but the more I thought about it, I just thought, nah, actually, no, Brian was right here. You know, you mm-hmm. should have respected Brian's wishes here. And then to go on and do the medley and then play Love of My Life as well. I mean, even if they'd done the medley and then done two extreme songs, you'd be like, well, well okay, fair, you know. Yeah. The, so you're going to now sit down and play another full Queen song. It's like, there's, I don't know. I, 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 there's part of me thinks there's a bit of arrogance of them. That mm. look, look, look at us. We can play Queen songs. Aye, absolutely. I, yeah. You know, I don't think, I mean, in fairness to them, I don't think that was the intention. I don't, I don't think it was, but it, whether they were aware of it or not, that's how it came across to me anyway. Certainly, it was like, you know, and I know the crowd were lapping up. The crowd loved that. And they, they were, it was great. They were singing along. And, you know, very early in the day, they're starting to hear Queen songs that they can sing along to, you know, a band's playing live and all that. So there is, I'm not discounting it as being, you know, worthless or whatever. But I, I really struggled with it. I agree. They played it very well. I agree with what you're saying, Paul, about Gary Sharon's voice as well. And very, very, when he's going in the harder stuff, that it's... Mm-hmm. It's, it's very strange. It's, it's very interesting when you do Stone Cold Crazy and the way he sings it compared to what you hear James <laughs> Sheffield <laughs> do. It's hilarious. Yeah. James sounds like a gorilla and he sounds like a fucking ant. <laughs> <laughs> ah, exactly. But uh, I've got to say this. You will hear this on the, the second part. You'll hear from Pete, who we mentioned at the start of the episode. You'll hear from him on part two. And he's got a fantastic way of describing Gary Sharon. And I'm not going to spoil it. I'd want Pete <laughs> to, 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 to sum, sum that up. But uh, I'll let Joe jump in here if there's... Aye. Um, I remember at the time thinking, what the fuck is this band doing? Genuinely, even, even as a yeah, 13-year-old, yeah. I was like, why, why, why are they doing this? Because Metallica have just played three of their own songs. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm expecting to get the funk out and... And again, I am not an extreme fan. I wasn't an extreme fan yeah, back then. But there was a there was a tune or two that you you. I get the funk out was okay. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, I can't remember any of the other stuff. It just shows you how memorable they are. <laughs> I, so, 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 same I, here. I'm as well. Get, get the funk out and that other shitty one there, the, the ballad. Um, to me, when I watched this back, I watched it actually. I watched it about maybe two months ago, uh, and I watched it. And I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I watched it again today for the prep of this and I seen it completely differently. And it's weird because when I watched it the second time, I thought this band are not only all the stuff that you said, David, about you know being disrespectful, because I knew about that stuff that Brian asked them, gone, please yeah. don't do that. Yeah. And they went and did it anyway, which is disrespectful in itself. But to me, I think that they wanted to, to feel what it was like to, to hear a Queen crowd and, and being immersed and feeling how Queen made I felt having those people sing those songs mm, back to them. And I know, uh, I know mm-hmm. fine well that if they went up and done Get the Funk Out in a fucking ballad, that it would have been crickets. It would have been absolute yeah. fucking crickets. And they knew, I think they knew their own material wasn't going to get that crowd moving. So they might play it as if, like, we thought, fuck that, man, we're such big Queen fans, we're going to do this. I genuinely think that they thought their own music would fall on deaf ears, really. That's how I feel I might be wrong but that's how I feel about it because I know oh, that's one way of looking at it man eh? and I think yep. they, they, it was a safe bet that if they went on, on and just played nothing but Queen songs they instantly they knew that it's a no-brainer they're going to have the crowd in their hand it's it's, it's, a, no, it's a win-win situation mm-hmm. so that's how I kind of saw it and even down here at the bit where like 
Gary Stone tries to emulate Freddie with the crowd participation aye, part. Aye, 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 that that, aye, that aye. fucking infuriated it's, me. It's just stealing off. Aye. It's, aye. That, that's, that's theft, basically. Isn't it? But, he's, want, but he's, want, yeah. he's basically saying, I'm, I'm playing the, play, the part of Freddie here. That's what that says to me. I'm doing what Freddie would do to you guys. I'm getting used to, to mimic me. I want to feel how it feels to have the way Freddie would have got these people in the palm of his hands. What he forgets to fucking realise is, He's singing another guy's songs to get that reaction. He's not yeah. fucking getting it from his own music. Mm-hmm. Um, but musically, played very well. I can't, I can't knock yeah. their, their, their ability. Nuno Betancourt's a fucking fantastic guitar player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not even in question. Can he write a good song? Not in my opinion, no. But he can play like fuck. Yeah. Um, and Gary Sean, not a fan of the vocals. But yeah, uh, just a little bit Dave Grohl. A Titus for me, you know, where yeah, Dave Grohl, it doesn't matter what, it <laughs> doesn't bland. matter, I, I, not even that, it's like Dave Grohl, it doesn't matter what, it, it, for a while there, Dave Grohl tend to turn up in every single band's documentary that I was, it didn't matter if it was a punk band, it didn't matter if it was a fucking documentary about James Brown, he was in it licking their ass, and every documentary he was in, it was, the, it, it was his favourite band, you know what I mean, and it's kind of like, I get that vibe watching Extreme, it's like they're, they're they're overreaching to tell people how how much we love Queen, we love Queen, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that just I. Yeah, I mean it should. I mean, I mean, I suppose it should be in your music. The, by the music you play, that should be it. Should be obvious that you know Queen have been an influence on us, you know. And I okay, mean, right, we talked about Metallica. It's maybe not that obvious from what you heard about Metallica, but yeah, I know it's just I. I've, I just struggled with it. I I, I just um, and I think see the see the comments, you know, just as you've you, you know been reading online and all that through the years about you know, the extreme medley and all that. I thought it was going to be better than what it was, to be honest. And mm. when I back watched that, yeah, they're tight and all that. Yeah, they do play it, you know, and they don't, you know. There's a few moments that are a bit ropey, to be honest. Um, but, I, yeah. And 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 his, and and his prancing about the stage is just quite... With his stupid trousers, man. Uh, fucking just, tri- yeah. I know that sounds like a really yeah. stupid thing, but, know, fucking but trousers. Just, and those shoes, man. Uh, he's gyrating, <laughs> like, and all that. And it's just, I just it's not, it's not my vibe. Put it that no. way, man. <laughs> no, not at all. Anyway, so why don't we why don't we hear from uh, Doug Curran now? Doug Curran here with a little stateside perspective. I watched the Freddie Mercury tribute concert at my girlfriend's place. She was a college student near Rochester, New York. And I remember setting up the old VCR, which I think I borrowed from my mom. I was very pleased that the concert was even being televised in the U.S. Queen was not popular here in 1992. They were really only in the public conscience, thanks to Wayne's World, Vanilla Ice, maybe Live Aid somewhat, and a few but not many um, classic rock radio staples. The concert was not televised live. It was... um, Shown on tape delay, primetime on the Fox network. I think we got about a two-hour show uh, the night of the concert. Then four and a half hours was aired on MTV the following weekend. And it was branded a concert for life. It wasn't even called the Freddie Mercury Tribute Concert then. Some of my lasting impressions of the show, Extreme, was a pleasant surprise. If I were to watch their set now, I'd cringe all the way through it. But at the time... It was just fun to hear Queen perform live, especially songs we haven't heard in a while, like, you know, little bits of Mustafa, Bicycle Race, Keep Yourself Alive. The Wembley crowd was all about it, and so was I watching from home. I do remember thinking, though, Extreme's playing some awfully big hits here, 
And does this mean we're not going to hear some of these, like Radio Gaga, later in the concert? Extreme should have been more careful in its song selection. It was a thrill to see Brian May join Def Leppard on stage for Now I'm Here. Until Brian Solo. I remember him going right after the short-haired blonde guy, the guitarist, um, Phil Collin, who played and sounded great. He had a really good tone. It was nice and out front. Even Vivian Campbell just joined Def Leppard, was on his game. He sounded better than Brian. I'm sure Brian had a lot on his mind, but he had a rough start. Uh, I remember Guns N' Roses being pretty good. They rocked. I liked Axel yelling, Shove it! In Paradise City, uh, which is a great live number. Uh, okay, right, so we, we crack on, and the next band that came on was Def Leppard. Um, so Def Leppard, at this moment in time, I think... Do you, you know, want to get right? I will, well, maybe, we'll see. Um, and uh, Help them with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, aye, they were huge. I mean, Def Leppard were, you know, you know, one of the biggest rock bands in the world at this time, though. They were huge, they're, you know... They came back. There was a comeback album from Hysteria. I think it was Adrenalize. Adrenalize, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Let's Get Rocked was their big single off that one, which they play on this. They play, so they play Animal, the opening Animal, with Animal yeah. from Hysteria. And then it's Let's Get Rocked from Adrenalize. And then they play Now I'm Here and Brian Macon's on stage to to play with them. Um, I'm going to come to Paul because, Paul, you are probably the most tolerant of <laughs> Def Leppard out of the three of us. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, myself and Joe admittedly aren't big Def Leppard fans, but there's things in this performance that I can find and go, yeah, you know, that's that deserves some some um, credit. Um, but you know, n- not a fan, n- never really been at any point um, nope. that I can think of. Um, but Paul, um, I know you're you're like I say, you're a bit more tolerant, so give us your perspective on it. Um, they're not they're not much like extreme. They're no they're no my cup of tea, but. They do, they, they do have tunes that uh, certainly in their earlier days, you know, um, Rock of Ages, Photograph, and all that. They're good songs. Um, it's just that they're produced to death, and all the, all the there's no sharp edges to anything they do. It's all rounded. It's all it's all Obsessed. geared. It's all geared towards America, uh, Americans, and FM radio, and mm-hmm. it's all. It, it's just very cynical. It's just absolutely, so you know, <laughs> just I a marketing guy's dream. You know, the, these fucking limeys and throw throw fucking butchers aprons on them every available opportunity, and they'll lap it up and fucking you know. Michigan and fucking California and all that. Um, so that they don't have any soul. There's no balls. There's no, you know. Okay, right. You've you've done your your kind of um, your analysis of death. Analysis of death. But what about the actual performance at the Freddie Mercury tribute? It was this, fucking, this is a Freddie Mercury tribute podcast, man. It was superb. <laughs> it was uh, flawless. Um, I went clogging. Um, Animal, again, like, like I said, if it was allowed to breathe and, you know, wasn't he, I don't know, 
over-processed or whatever. It might be a good song. But <sighs> Joe Elliott really annoys me as well. Bingo. Uh, it's the mullet. It's the fucking Union Jack choosers. <coughs> it's the the bare top with a, a hint of a fucking beer belly showing. I um, know. He's like not, fucking four years behind. Uh, he's a four years and, behind in the look. And the, and the stonewashed denim. And, and this is what, 1992? Uh, he's like four years behind uh, that and, shit. And, uh, he looks like it's like 1984 or something like that, you know, and you're just like, fuck's sake. Tragic and, bastard. And Vivian Campbell, who's a fucking excellent guitar player, but obviously played with Dio and all that when he was like what, fucking 16 or something like that. Um, Irish guy, you know that. Um, he looks as if he's... Um, auditioning to be the token white guy in Millie Vanilli, you know, with that red jacket <laughs> and all that. Oh, Fucking yes. hell, boys to men or something like that, you know. The token white guy, yeah, <laughs> the token white guy, the token <laughs> black guy, but uh, the token white guy. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I, I, they, they just, they just look terrible. They Listen, look- can I just, can I just interrupt you, right? Because um, David, uh, David Geldard, I'm really sorry, mate. I know, uh, I know, I know you're a big Def Leppard fan, and we're going to hear from you soon. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about trashing, you know, your second yeah. favorite band, mate. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but um, as I say, animals, I'll, I'll give animal four out of ten. Let's get rocked. I'll give one out of by rocks. terrible. The lyrics are terrible. They're, they're going for that Wayne's World type, you know, uh, teenage rock thing and just missing the point completely. You know, uh, they're, you know, they're treating their own fans, oh, you're, you're just stupid and you're lazy and you're, you don't want to work and you don't want to... Which, you know, the average rock fan at the time, very intelligent, very caring, very fucking driven and all that, but you don't seem to know that because you're a fucking millionaire rock star that just fucking doesn't know anything. Just fucking. So. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Fucking. Um, just fucking. And, uh, yeah. And your best the song, there. <laughs> now, now I'm here. Um, ugh, it's, it's, all, it's all right, I suppose. It's nice to see Brian, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's all I can say about it. Sorry. All right, Joe, you can walk away down here. Um, I, like I said, I try to go into this with, with you know, an open mind and stuff like that because I am not in any way stretch the imagination a Def Leppard fan. But, um, I hate them. I, I have to be um, honest. <laughs> um, especially Joe Elliott. I, I really can't stand him. I can't stand him as a person and I can't stand his voice um, as well. But um, it's amazing because like David said, you know, Hysteria was a massive, like absolutely massive album, right? And obviously, you know, they were, they were one of the biggest bands in the world yeah. at that point in rock. And looking at Joe Elliott as a front man, yeah. it's hard to fucking believe. Yeah. The guy has zero, zero presence, man. Like it, it literally has, for me, it could, you could have stuck a fucking mannequin with a wig and a beer gut up there, man, and I did the same job. And you might as well have played the, the backing track as well because their entire performance... I thought, you know, given that this was a very, very rushed, you know, you know, you've got a band on, then it's get the next band on, get the next band, you know, very rushed situation, you know, not a lot of time to set up. They still managed to sound sanitized live. It's like, <laughs> yeah, how, how it's, is that even yeah. possible? Yeah. They still, they, they, they sound weak. I mean, even the extreme man, the guitar tone, it's raw, and it, you know, as much as there's flaws in their set, it sounds like a rock band playing. 
Def Leppard go on and still sound like they've been put through a computer. It's mm-hmm. like, this This is like, how the fuck is that even possible? You know, given the changeover times, you think, I was expecting them to come out and it'd be a, a stripped down version of them, but it, it really just sounds like soulless shite like they are. So, um, you know, basically, you know, well done for capturing your album live. Um, but as for, it's like I was saying, how sanitized it is. And Brian Makem's out and does, does not, now you're here, and it sounds like Crowbar. Brian comes out and it all opens up and it sounds like a fucking rock band because it just shows you I don't know what these guys were playing through amp wise or anything man but that shit was dialed back probably happily you know the way Metallica were complaining about being dialed back definitely were probably like dial us back even more do you know what I mean literally no testicles in this performance whatsoever man shite (laughs) jeez oh harsh words I mean, I watched yeah, that. Yeah. I'm a Def Leppard fan now, man. I just thought uh, yeah. that, that performance was one of the best. No, mm. look, listen, I, I'm not going to go over all the same territory that you've both been over. I'll, I'll try and find things in it that I thought I, I could I could roll with. Um, watching it, I think it was it was obvious. You know, you talked about Vivian Campbell, uh, Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know his talents. Uh, uh, great guitar player. Dio and stuff, you know. Um, and... Uh, Phil Collin is a great guitar player, man. He's good as well, Phil Collin. He can play, man, and, and, and there's no doubt about it. You could see that in his solo. And so I think mm-hmm. that was definitely evident. Um, the riff in Animal is, is okay. It's, it's, it's a rock riff. It's, it's you're like, right. okay, I mean, if... if there's there's something in hysteria. See, see pour, pour Some Sugar On Me has got a fucking great riff, but yeah. it's just... If there was a, di- a, if was a, if there was a different uh-huh. singer and it was again a bit under less produced, then uh-huh. you, might, you might have had a, a different story with Def Leppard. I don't know. You might have just been more tolerant of them overall. But I'm mm. the same. I do struggle struggle with Joe Elliott's voice. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think he's a bit charmless at times. Is all that. I mean, he's got an interview that's like a bit like there's almost like an arrogance to him. That I can't, uh, you know, exactly. that I, it's weird. It's like just just let loose. You know, if there was somebody like a Dave Lee Roth type person, just go out, not taking it too seriously, and just you know, and that was the tunes, you might be a bit more. Like, ah, do you know what? Whatever. It's not my cup of tea, but he holds it back for me a wee bit. You know, it's like so. I, I think listen to Animal. I'm thinking, yeah, that's like it's a decent rock song. You know, it's, it's no doubt about it. Let's get rocked. As, as, a, as I agree with Paul, it's just atrocious. It's not not a good song by any stretch. Um, so it was a big surprise, probably to to any three of us talking to each other about Def Leppard that it was never going to necessarily be a good thing. Um, I know there'll be people out there that love their set and love Def Leppard, as, as David does, who we're going to actually hear from. Um, so David uh, Geldart, he is a, he's a journalist and he is also a writer, and he spoke to us um, about being there on the day. And when when we were doing this, I forgot to press record. So luckily, David, being the professional that he is, was recording <laughs> at his end. So he sent me the file, and I've actually cut out the the questions we were asking, um, and just so it's just David almost like just talking. So it might seem like I've, I've edited it in such a way that David's just been having a big piece to to um, you know and to, to his mic, but you know I've just let it flow and took out the bad quality kind of audio um, from our questions. So anyway. David Geldard, big Leopard fan, and sorry, mate, but that's just sorry. we've got to tell it how it is, man. We've got to tell it the way we we've got to be true to ourselves. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, here's David now. Yeah, I've been a Queen fan for as long as I can remember. Really, I'm currently putting together a book called In the Lap of the Gods: yeah. uh, Music and Memories of Queen and Freddie Mercury. The thing is with this book, I've always 
I've always thought I wanted a book that wasn't just a straight biography because there's other people who can do that better than I can. I write for a website called We Are Cult, which is run by an extremely nice guy called James Gent. James is a massive Bowie fan. Now, a few years back when Bowie died, he put together a book called Me and the Starman, which is a collection of essays from Bowie fans, and I'm a big Bowie fan myself. So I contributed an essay on that, and that was called Hot Space Oddity. It's focused on Under Pressure and the Freddie Mercury Tribute concert. James has been saying to me for a while, you know, Dave, you should really do a, a, a Queen one as a follow-up and I'll help you with it. Originally, it was just going to be essays from fans, but I am quite good friend. I've become quite good friends with Jim Jenkins, Queen's biographer, over the last few years. So I interviewed him. Then I got in touch with Peter Straker. Uh, I've been helping Peter Straker with a few things. Uh, promoting his his latest box set, Peter Freestone. Then I got in touch with, and it's it's just snowballed. Eddie Howell, Doug Bogey. This is coming out soon. Obviously, I'm going to interview you guys for it as well. As a kid, I would always listen to like my dad's Queen albums. My dad was a bit of a fan, not not an obsessive fan like I am now, but it was probably his favourite band. And by the time of Live Aid and and the Magic Tour, I was desperate to see them live. And the neither my mum and dad to take me. Now I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I want to go to the one that was local to us, which was Main Road, Manchester Main Road on the Magic Tour. And I was 12 at the time. I think my mum wasn't too too happy about a 12 year old son going to a rock gig. I also think that um, my dad. There's only my dad working at that time, and they had three sons, so. Maybe it was a financial thing. I'm not sure what happened anyway. Or it might have sold out. I can't remember, but we didn't go. And my dad said, don't worry. I'll always remember this. He said, don't worry. We'll go next time. In that time, me and my mate John just got absolutely obsessive, like you guys, you know, to the point where you'd seek out any bootleg, any solo appearance on a record. Absolute huge fans. And then um, I, I always remember the night Freddie died, they made that statement something like as soon as we are able to we will uh, celebrate freddie's life in, a, in in an appropriate way and then i remember watching the brit awards and brian and roger came on they'd won the single uh, the best british single for days of our lives and they announced that they were having this uh this tribute gig at wembley and i just remember jumping around the living room thinking oh my god this is going to sell out in minutes how do i get a ticket so the next day, before I could even get a ticket, it had sold out, and I didn't have a ticket. It's a record shop in Stockport called Music Zone. So I phoned them up, and they said, we've got six tickets coming in tomorrow. So I said to my mum, right, I was at college at the time, said, I'm not going into college tomorrow, I'm going down to there. You're not missing college. I'll go down for them. So bless her, my mum went, and she said, she got down there really early, and there was no one there at all in the shop. She nearly went and did some shopping. A few minutes later, there was like a queue a mile long. She went in and she got four of the six tickets. My mum gets all the kudos for that. Uh, so originally it was going to be me, my dad, my mum and my cousin Steve. Then my mum dropped out because got to look after my youngest brother my, uh, and, my, and my best mate took her place. Um, and I just remember, I remember being at the bus stop one morning and I bought the Daily Mirror and I opened the Daily Mirror. This is... Like, I don't know, a week or a fortnight before the gig, and seeing the lineup of acts who signed up for it, they hadn't announced it all. But I think everyone was expecting, you know, like one of those Princess Trust gigs, 
Phil Collins, Eric Clapton. I think everyone thought he was just going to be that. And then I read Metallica, Def Leppard, Extreme, Guns N' Roses, Bowie, Roger Dolce, Robert Plant. I thought, bloody hell, this is my record collection. You know, I was, I was really, really excited for it. By the time the coach was full and on its way to Wembley, someone walked up to the driver and stuck on a tape of the um, Ellen Road Leeds 1982 bootleg, which was the first time I'd ever heard that. So, I mean, listening to that was quite exciting on the coach and then talking to other fans. And at that point, you didn't, even on the way down there, you didn't know exactly what sort of shape the concert was going to take. Yeah. So I remember all sorts of discussions about they're going to have a Freddie hologram. But there was talk of artists like, everyone thought Montserrat Caballier was going to be there. I bet Michael Jackson turns up. I bet Rod Stewart turns up. All this, all sorts of crazy conversations. I remember one specific conversation. What's George Michael doing there? He, I can't imagine him singing Queen. When we got outside Wembley, I thought he was probably like the last there. Uh, it definitely hadn't opened the doors and you could hear all the sort of tuning up and all that. Uh, and you think you're the last there, and then you look behind you, and there's just people as far as you could see, you know, emptying onto the streets miles away. As we got up the stairs of Wembley outside, we was. Do you remember, like, when you watched it, there was a Freddie lookalike in the crowd? We was right next to him outside, and he got to the top of the, the stairs at Wembley, and he turned round to face the audience, and he started doing Radio Gaga. Crowd outside were, were joining in with the hand clapping, and the funny thing was, they had loads of police on horseback. And the police were doing it. <laughs> Someone shouted out to him. I always remember, rather unkindly, at least Freddie could sing, mate. <laughs> before, before Queen came on, I actually remember the first person on stage was Harvey Goldsmith coming on and saying, make sure you put your coat on later. It's going to be a bit cold and all this, that and the other. Then Queen came on to sort of like do the opening announcement. And I just remember the roar when John Deacon spoke. No, I don't think he'd ever spoke at the Queen gig. And that was quite emotional in itself. Then he introduced Metallica. And that, this is an interesting one because I've been into Metallica quite a while. But I think in this country, they were still sort of regarded as quite an underground. I was loving it the minute they come on. But I always remember my mate, John Fowler, he turned around to me and said, I think they made a mistake putting these on first. I said, why? He said people would switch on at home expecting to hear Queen songs. They're hearing Sandman and Sad But True. They won't know what's going on. But I mean, most people there on the day seem to enjoy it. I had my dad with me. and my dad, You know, my dad, other than Queen, he liked sort of Elton John and ELO, and he liked a lot of 60s bands like the Hollies and the Searchers and things like that. So Metallica to him was just completely alien. Quite funny how he ended up sort of like clapping along and, and getting into it, you know. For me, that was the height of, of Metallica, that album. So they were, they were brilliant. And then we couldn't work out why they hadn't done Stone Cold Crazy, because that, of course, has been the, the B-side to Enter Sandman. And then Extreme come on. And at the time, they were quite sort of unknown to a lot of people. I mean, again, I already had pornography at the album, and me, me and John absolutely loved them. I think everyone knew more than words, because they were quite sort of Queen-sounding anyway. Gary Sharon came on, and straight away he went into Mustafa. And at that moment, I'm, I'm getting the hair standing up on the, on the back of my neck now. You know, 72,000 voices joined in straight away, and people were just up for them. They, they won the, the crowd over in, a, in an instant with that set. It don't matter if anyone had never heard of them before. They didn't care. They were singing the songs they knew. Um, Def Leppard, who are probably my second favourite band of all time after Queen. They had a few problems because, as I believe, that uh, Rick Allen's drum kit 
had been plugged in wrong. They did remarkably well, but I think also it went missing or something, which caused delays later on. First time I'd ever seen them, and it was a big gig for them because that was the first one with uh, Vivian Campbell after Steve Clark died. But yeah, they were amazing. And then as a Queen fan, I'd, I'd known like, about this legendary gig at the LA Forum where Brian May came on stage with Def Leppard. And I always thought, you know, when I was a kid and that, oh, I wish I'd have been at that one to see those two together. That would have been amazing. And, of course, it came out for Now I'm Here, yeah. which, oh, it was just phenomenal. Spinal Tap were funny. They had, they had problems too. They went on for ages and ages without any sound. Another funny one, there was a, the South African band called Mango Groove. Now, the reason why this is funny, I think everyone was a bit bored and not into it. Uh, they started a Mexican wave in Wembley, and that's what everyone was concentrating on. But when it cut back on the from the telly to Mango Groove, it looked like everyone was like really raving. Guns and Roses, which there's an interesting story there because a lot of people had been against them being there yeah, because yeah, of yeah. the um, lyrics in the song "One of a Million, One in a Million." Yeah. I remember there were people outside with megaphones telling people to silence Guns and Roses and boo them and this, that, and the other. That didn't happen at all. You know, they'd had Queen's seal of approval. They were like the biggest band on the planet. At the time, and I think people perhaps now forget that. I mean, people going about Nirvana and, and stuff now. I think they were bigger. They were huge at that time. If you yeah, see that, yeah, that footage of when they come on, you know, people were well up for them. Yeah. And again, like Metallica, you know, that, that was their prime. Yeah, so that was a phenomenal first half. All right, so I think what we'll do is well let's let's condense the next sort of four acts together. Um, with Bob Geldof, with Spinal Tap, with you two, be a satellite, and with Mango Groove. Now, um, Geldof comes on and he does a song called "Too Late God," and he makes the joke about Freddie practicing Gaelic realm, you know, at his house and all this stuff. It's I don't know. Uh-huh. Particularly funny. He's almost, almost, almost slightly condescending. I it just, I just, it just came across like, oh, do you know what? Fuck off. Um, I will say this. See that too. Like, I had that fucking song in my head for about three days, <laughs> and that's not a good thing because it's not a good song. It was oh, just stuck in my head. I no, guess, not. You know, it's um, like crocodile shoes, man. I like a bit of Jimmy, man. Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Neil's way cooler than this dick guy. Uh, she's, without a she's doubt, lying. She's lying. Uh, she's lying. <laughs> Still crazy. I Great don't film. want nobody else. I love you. She's, She's lying. lying. <laughs> gold, man. Jimmy Neil should have been there, man. Jimmy Neil should have been there, should man. Have done a set there. That'd have been gold. Should have done the hit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Jimmy Neil doing hit, man. You heard it here first, man. Jimmy <laughs> Neil doing hit, man. There you are, man. Uh, but then he, you know, Gildoff does his thing and then he introduces um, Spinal Tap. So Spinal Tap, come on with all the you know, taking the piss uh, with the, the royal robes and the, the crowns and all that and the big yeah, you know, red carpet and red all that. Carpet. Uh, and then in true tap style, the fucking sound goes and I just guitar for real. Because <laughs> so everybody like, thought it was a joke. Oh, aye, that's the... <laughs> aye, the, the funny bit. That's, stuff, that's, that's uh, part of the, the, the act. Um, it wasn't it? Uh, so, um, aye, so there's quite a wee bit of time till Nigel's guitar gets sorted. But I liked, it, liked the way they, were, they started speaking at the start and they were like, um, you know, we were massive fans of Freddie's music. Um, he wasn't any such a big fan of ours, you know, <laughs> and then he says, So, in tribute to Freddie, we've cut our songs short by 35 songs. <laughs> 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 so, Aye, the part was good, 
Well, that, that's good. That's true. Uh, true tap gold. But um, then they play the Majesty of Rock. That was with that that break like the wind album. That they, I break like back the wind. With. Um, which is it doesn't have the charm of uh, you know smell the glove. Um, no, but no. it's it's. Uh, Fair enough, you know, it's, it's, it's all right. Majesty of Rock is... Decent tune, man. Decent it's all right, you know, it's like... They play well. They play a farmer well. takes a wife and all that. Aye. The, the, the barber takes a pole. Aye, gold. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but I do, I've preferred, like, something like, tonight I'm going to rock you or something, or Stonehenge or something, you know. Stonehenge, <laughs> I think they were trying Stonehenge. to... At Stonehenge, I think they were trying to punt their new record. <laughs> Aye, that's quite, a, that's a quite funny in itself, really, because they're a spoof band, but... <laughs> No, no one knew who they were. Oh, oh, oh what oh, they were doing? What, what they, they were doing? doing. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant, man! Fucking love it, man! Aye, totally. Ancient mysteries. And uh, yeah. Nigel's outfit's fucking cracking in it. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> bright green Spider-Man. I was able to sit down in it because it was just ripped, ripped up the back. Buttocks, eh? Did you know your man, uh, David St. Hubbins, was wearing uh, the white Freddy Adidas? The, the wears on the magic tour. I was wearing a pair of them. I don't know if it was deliberate or you know just a coincidence, but I was wearing a pair mm. of them. So I, I thought tap were, tap were cool. You know, just aye. just doing nothing. Good fun, doing, man. I one one tune and away again. You know, it's uh, but spinal tap. You know, fucking you know the movie that album. Oh, that, that's just gold, man. Molten, is, molten uh, gold, man. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Derek Smalls. He would a note and then go like that. <laughs> his arm up. And in all, in all fairness, though, I thought you know he sang it very well, man. Yeah, they weren't they they rubbish. You know, they're, I mean, they they can play. They're, crack, they're cracking musicians, aye. Aye, they yeah. can, they can actually play. The folk stuff they do, the folksmen and all that, brilliant, aye, brilliant yeah. musicians, aye. absolutely. Yeah. And and that's that's it. You know, they pulled it off and. And uh, again, why they were there, fuck, so, you know, but, God, so, but so, you know what, cool, you know, it's like kind of keeping the kind of Freddy Cabaret sort of madness, aye, camp fun, the fun, aye, possibly, aye, the fun element of things, I could, it could be. Did we get the, did we get the U2 thing? So, U2, there's a satellite, this is the thing that I struggled with. It's like satellite broadcast from Sacramento, which is in California, I'm, aye, Sacramento's in California, yep, and uh. So satellite broadcasting, it's um, until the end of the world, which is a decent tune, I quite like it. Until the end of the world, it's on Actung Baby, of course. And, um, and But there's no way that was live at the time because fucking California's about, what, nine hours behind the UK. So they'd have to have been playing that gig at fucking 10 in the morning for that to be. Been... So Aye. that was obviously recorded maybe the previous night and then just shown on the... So to me... That's not Why a satellite broadcast. That's a fucking tape aye. of a gig. Why so even include me, it? Aye, I, it was just bizarre. And there was, I mean, it wasn't as if Bono went, oh, I guess it goes out to Freddie. Or, or, or nothing. It was yeah. just like, it was just like they basically, and I'm not blaming you two on this or Bono. I mean, as much as I'd like to get laid into Bono <laughs> right now, but I don't think it was anything to do with, I don't think it was any disrespect. I think it was just weird. weird. I didn't make much sense. But anyway, they, they play it well. And but it's just, why was it there, you know, in the first place? But, um, aye. Then you got Mango Groove. I don't know why the reason why Mango Groove are included on it, but at least with the Mango Groove thing, it was live to Johannesburg, mm-hmm. and they were on the stage and all wearing the Freddie tribute T-shirts, and the, you know, this is for Freddie and all that. So there was a direct, obviously, link up with uh, yeah. with uh, the you know the gig in Johannesburg. I mean, the, it's I don't know anything about African music. I'll be honest, but I thought you know, it was musically, you know, absolutely, 
Yeah. I, I, I thought quite, the, quite kind of almost proggy as well with the synth bit at the start and then the whistle I, it was away back was, to the synth bit and all that again it's a it was vaguely kind of threatening at the start aye aye kind of dark the whistle thing and, and the, the, the stage set as well it was yeah. like backlit and all that and yeah. kind of dark looking atmospheric and, you know, definitely aye wow yeah. it's great into kind of poppy kind of like you know uh, yeah bouncy yeah. wee thing at, um, yeah. but I thought it was alright you know I, I, again I don't know the significance of it but do you know what? Okay, fair enough, you know. But um, aye, it was all right, you know. But um, we're going to talk about Guns and Noses. Right, but before we do, let's hear from Richard. Hi, guys. Um, I'm not sure this is much of a contribution because uh, I wasn't at the tribute concert, but I did watch on TV. And my story is not particularly... Uh, evocative or exciting but it, it's a little anecdote I suppose it's an anecdote about the fact that at the time I was despite the fact I was into Queen as a kid they were the major band and they are now that I listen to a lot um, at that time 92 I was probably listening much more to Metallica and Guns N' Roses so Guns N' Roses I was particularly looking forward to and just to give you a bit of a bit of background Barclays Bank at the time used to give you £30 worth of vouchers if you signed up for a student bank account and which I did do and I bought User Illusion 1 and 2 which I think is about the most rock and roll thing ever to buy Guns N' Roses on your via Barclays Bank so anyway um, but I was really looking forward to them and Knocking on Heaven's Door which is probably about an hour long I think their version uh, I really enjoyed that. And I also loved the version of Axl Rose screeching his way through the heavy bit of Bohemian Rhapsody together with Elton John. I thought that worked really well. Um, and I suppose my final memory, or the final couple of memories as well, I'm sure lots of people have mentioned George Michael, but I also really like Annie Lennox and David Bowie and how weird that was. And there's a, and also the, the last bit where Liza Minnelli just manages to insert a line about Freddie, we just wanted to know you were, we were thinking about you, um, I think is, uh, is, really, is really lovely. And that's my uh, memories. All right, so let's talk about Guns N' Roses. So Guns N' Roses essentially closed the opening situation in the first half of the gig. Um so again, we talked about Def Leppard being, you know, probably the biggest rock band at that moment in time, at that precise moment in time. Um, but Guns N' Roses were, were bigger probably at that point. I think. Guns oh aye, oh aye. The illusions were, were selling like crazy, and so I think their their position on the bill is completely justified at that moment in time. And um, you know, so huge, you know, um, huge, huge band at the time. I, I, I thought this was excellent. This is actually one of my favourite Guns N' Roses performances, yeah. and it's yeah. only two songs. Two songs. It's, um, you know, okay, it's, it's obviously the added element of it being part of a Freddie celebration. That's obviously got to hold weight as well. But um, I, I love this. these two songs. They, you know, they play Paradise City and they play Knocking on Heaven's Door. Mm -hmm. um, just two songs. But um, And I remember MTV when, you know, they, they played Knocking on Heaven's Door, like, constantly. Um, in 1992, there was two videos I saw constantly on 19, in 1992 on MTV, and it was Knocking on Heaven's Door by Guns N' Roses and Motorcycle Emptiness by Manic Street. Aye, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Aye. Those two videos on non-stop, you know. Um, 
I, I think you know Axel's fired up. You know we we mm. oh, discussed this off offline. When he comes on stage, it's just a whirlwind man. He's an it's animal just, man. You know he's just he's just tearing it up, and his aggression and all that. You know it's. He's never going to be the best singer in the world, but he he, he puts every bit of like, feeling oh, in yeah, and it, it really in. goes. And I'll be honest, I am not, I don't think Guns N' Roses are necessarily the tightest live band no. in the world. They never no. really have been. Um, but I think they're fairly tight here. Although at the same time, I think when you're watching it, it seems like it's always on the edge of falling apart. Aye, aye, you, know, aye, you know what I mean? So, the way they play, they play aye. on the edge. Aye, very on the edge it's like aye. Aye. you know as as good as musicians are, they all are you know individually you know just aye. collectively at times I think you know and I think the drugs maybe aye, I think that, that you subconsciously know, you know yeah. that every, you know that Slash and, and Duff are definitely yeah, yeah. see especially aye. as a close up of Duff and he looks like he might have just had a few beers I don't know what he cast aspersions but you know we know his history and stuff so yeah, he's a chronic um, yeah so it's it's you know but it just it seems on that edge and I think Axel has struggled like to hit notes and stuff and I think on this performance he gets That's them all he gets them all gets them and he's running about and it's a bit, he, a bit in Paradise City where he's actually running from one end to the stage to the other and he's still getting all the words out and I'm like yeah, how yeah. the fuck is he able to do that because but then he gets to the end and he's like you know because he's fucking out of breath but it's like but I think it's I, I, I'm not you know, appetite's fucking great and Illusions, you, you know, it's probably about 10, 11 belter songs, out, you know, great songs out of those two albums. I'm not the, the, the absolute massive Guns N' Roses fan at the time. I think even at the time, Joe was a bigger Guns N' Roses fan out of me and him when we were both kids watching aye, this at the aye, time. Probably, aye. You know, Metallica was, you know, more the thing for me and, and Joe was massive on Metallica as well. But I was more like, aye, Gene are really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing them. And when I saw them, I thought they were fucking outstanding. I thought they were excellent on the day. And, uh, you, you know, it's... it's um, as Doug said um, earlier on, that sh- shove it, you know. Aye, but it's aye. like when he does the first line, and it's fucking great. Just it's just um, the kill your idols t-shirt and all that, you know. Um, you know, Pete, Pete talks about that actually um, when we you know hear part two. Um, if you're talking about being tight and being totally on it and all that, yeah, there's there's flaws in it, but in energy and fucking conviction Agro, and I, it, 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 it's all there I mean we talked about, yeah. talk about Def Leppard earlier on you know and how, and how can I like in the box that is and this is just yeah. like a, this is a rock and roll performance you know I mean that's yeah, the difference yeah. you know, they're a rock and roll band man yeah. aye, that's it. The, the last the last proper aye, rock and roll yeah, band yeah, yeah. and um, and, and uh, that was our thing at the time they were the most dangerous rock and roll band in the world, the world. And, yeah. and they, yeah. they were they were because like you said Dave that, that they're always on the edge of falling apart you know it's like yeah, it's like a car crash. Like, what the fuck's going to happen next? You know, uh, you can't you can't look away. It's like a yeah. car crash. You yeah. know what I mean? Is that is Axel just going to throw the mic down and walk off the stage like he did <laughs> many times? Because he know? could, aye, he uh, could, uh, and it wouldn't matter. Uh, it was a Freddie Mercury tribute. Something, uh, well, something pissed him off. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, but I, I like the, the way Els throws his mic stand. It's just, man, it's just, it's just uh, so petulant, man. It's just uh, like fucking. He throws it in the road. He'll pick it up. Obviously, right? Fuck. I'll leave it till Axel's <laughs> ready for it again. You know, uh, but just just a total prick. You know, but but it works. But it works. It's like a total prick. But you're like, I I can't stop looking at this guy. You know, it's like he's got the he's got the rock star thing out of tea. Um, but in a in a in a weirdly, I would don't want to say charming, but it's a weirdly kind of it's just a seductive way. You know, he's just for me, Axel Axel kind of represents when I watch Axel. It's like I don't. I don't want to be taken out of context here because I know there's a lot of negativity in, in some of the stuff that he does, but he's the kind of that part that everybody that just you would like to be like that. Like, you just don't yeah. give a fuck. 
And yeah, I think yeah, when I watch bad, Axel, bad. I see somebody that, yeah, that part of me that I'd yeah. love to be able to just not give a fuck what anybody thought and just mm-hmm. do what, what I want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when I look at Axel, uh, especially this performance, especially this performance, he's like that in every gig. The guy, the guy's, the guy's an obnoxious cunt. Oh, sorry, uh, you can that's edit right. that out. <laughs> but again, man, I, I fucking love Axel, man, because for me, Axel represented. The, the last day a dying breed of rock star and I don't even just mean in, in rock star acting like a rock star I mean just in the guy the guy was a great songwriter yeah, yeah. he was he, I, and I, I know David Sh- said showmanship he was a great showman he yeah. was a great songwriter and I know David said he wasn't a great singer I disagree I think Axel is a great singer I, th- I love his voice and a, a great singer and he isn't somebody that goes on stage and is perfect every time I know that isn't what you think either but I love Axel's voice and I connect with with his voice a lot more than I do a lot of singers mm. um, so for me he was the last true rock star he had everything he had the attitude he had the look could write songs had the voice yeah. he was the full shooting match in it. and that's something that you can't fake the way Freddie you couldn't fake that with Freddie you know yeah, obviously to a much higher degree you know but Freddie was had the attitude he had the look he, he yeah. was a great songwriter he had the voice yeah. same sort of thing obviously on a lower level obviously but yeah. But for me, uh, GNR and this, I forgot it was only two songs, actually. Uh, <laughs> I know, I was kind of waiting on a third one. Aye, a wee bit. Aye. Quite shocked, but they brought, GNR brought a punk, that punk attitude mm-hmm. that, I, that I love. Yeah. And, and it was that fuck you attitude. And they didn't yeah. tame it down. Um, and I love them for it, man. Yeah. The only That's thing it. I would say disappoints me a little bit is the batting singers. That, that kind of... It doesn't bring it down by any stretch, and it's not that they get. It's, it's not that the girls are bad singers or anything. Yeah, like they're yeah, good yeah. singers. I don't mean yeah. it's a disrespect to them, but yeah, yeah. at that stage, well, they were starting to get a wee I, bit too too I many people to, on the stage. I used know? to fancy Roberta or something rotten, man. I so they are big Roberta. Both of them, man. Both of them. I can't <laughs> remember the other one's name. That's terrible. Ah, he mentions both of them, didn't he? Tracy. Tracy. Aye. Aye, shout out to Tracy and Roberta because I know Tracy they're big fans, Aye, big fans of the podcast. So, uh, Aye. Cheers, fuck, Tracy fuck your Pepsi and Shirley, Tracy and Roberta. Aye. Tracy and Roberta. And, and, but I'll just say one more thing as well. Like, you know, when Axel shouts, um, he's like, Long live Freddy. That you can tell he means that. Aye. Yeah. You know, he, 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 he means it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Queen was his band. I, I know Absolutely. that was like Queen was his favourite band. And it's it. It's a little video he does for MTV, but like before the concert. Aye, yep, yep. And, it, and he's pouring his heart out about how much he loves Queen. Aye, You're like, ah, oh, yep. Jesus. I, I, I mean, okay, you know, you, you, you know, you knew by then that he liked a lot of, you know, classic rock bands. Aye, Elton John and all that. Aye, but I, I, I had no idea he was that into Queen, you know. But, um, aye, that was his favourite band, aye, apparently. Aye, yeah. yeah. Aye. But no, actually, I mean, actually, in the band, I mean, the band are. Deserve their place and and you know the, the history are you know oh, you know has uh, been up there you know as, as one of the most important bands in the history of rock, no doubt about it. Um, and Axel's voice, I, I'm you know just to just to back to Joe's point, I, I'm the same. I do love the sound of his voice. You know he's, he's got and when he when he sings the way he sings on say um, oh, knocking on heaven's door when he takes a rah, 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 that voice and I, I, I like this. I love the sound of that voice as well. And he can manipulate his voice in a way that Fred. I don't again. I'm not comparing him to Freddie Mercury in this, but the way Freddie sounded completely different when he sang lower. Ah, the way he could Axel change. was the same. Aye, he, could, yeah. he could sing in different ways. Yeah. 
You know, whereas Stone think, Elliot think, or somebody sing, or Gary Stone sing when they sing a yeah, slow song, it's, it's, that's it's like it. them. Uh, do you know what I mean? The same. And I think that the only reason that, you know, when I said um, he's, he's not the greatest vocalist, I think I do, like I say, I love, love the sound of his voice, but I think it was just live. I think he's something, he, he struggled a lot live. And I think that was where, yeah. you know, te- uh, maybe the strength yeah. of his voice or the, you know, the stamina in his voice wasn't there necessarily. You know, I think so. it's, 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 it's he running about. I think yeah. like, he was so, touring as well. I, I think, there's no you know. d- discipline in his. And he's singing it, I think, because he was trying to put on a show. Yeah. And fair yeah. play to the guy, you know. Fuck. <laughs> it's, it's a raw, it's a raw as uh, fuck voice. It's not. Uh, it's just. It's just. It's just it. all emotion, you know. Yeah. It's like, totally, man. Totally. Know, it's, it's, it's totally un- untamed. <laughs> even even on the early gigs, his voice wasn't that great. You know, like the 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 real real. Ritz. Ritz. The Ritz, the Ritz uh, concert, aye. His, his voice is all over the place and that, you know. But it's dripping the attitude, though. Aye, aye. That's aye. That's aye. That's but that's, that's, that's what it is. It's that that's, punk thing, yeah. isn't it? It's the, totally. You know. I, think, I think you can make up for it, you know. You can absolutely make up for that. And then, and and it's, he's got the presence, as Joe talked about. He's got the he's got the attitude. He's got the vibe. He's, he holds your attention. So all these things aye. matter as well, you know. It's, um, uh, absolutely. And, uh, it's uh, in a uh, band like that, you know. I, w- I, I watched that Ritz concert it was, it was a few months back. <laughs> and I, <clears throat> I, I knew the line at the time, but it didn't occur to me that it was out the thing. I mean, he's introducing Slash. He's like, ah, it's weird and it's pissed off. Ah, he's said Slash. I didn't even know he said that. Oh, fuck, the thing. Aye. I don't know what it is, but it's weird and it's pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Aye. I forgot about that, man. <laughs> My favourite well, film, man. Ah, the thing's oh, phenomenal. phenomenal. So I've started off talking about ah, the thing. I've finished off talking about the thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the end it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, so we we're obviously going to wrap things up here on part one, and and we'll we'll be back with part two to talk about the Queen Plus performances. Um, on the next pod, we'll do them back to back, so you won't have to wait for part two. We'll we'll, we'll follow this up right in the back of this one, um, and we'll discuss all those big performances and uh, not so big performances <laughs> that are that that come in part two. Um, so thanks to everybody for their contributions. That's that's absolutely brilliant, and I'm just still chuffed, and we all are, that people are still engaging and uh, you know feeling. Aye, thank you very one. much. Yeah. Hopefully, I haven't offended too many Joe we're Elliott gonna, or Def Leppard uh, fans. We're going to lose all them. Aye, I know. sorry, sorry again, David. Aye, <laughs> if he's not turned <laughs> off already, you know. Um, so I know. Thanks to everybody again. Thanks to David for giving his time as, yeah, as well. Cheers, and, aye, thanks, cheers. mate. Thank you. And speaking to us as it was well. Good speaking to you. Uh, and of course, just I mean, just an interest. This is this isn't agenda driven or anything, but I thought, given that um, you know the concert was about AIDS awareness, I thought maybe just to kind of highlight. Obviously, you've got the Mercury Phoenix Trust out there, you know, that was that was put together by Brian and Roger and Jim Beach to to you know raise money for for AIDS causes and things like that. So that website's there. If it's if it's taking your if it's put it back into your head, you know, go and go and maybe make a donation there if you if you feel that's what you want to do. But um, and obviously, it's in Freddie's name, so yeah. So just put that out there as well, because obviously it's still this, you know, still a big issue, you know, almost thirty years later, you know, AIDS yep. and stuff. So, um, yeah, aye. So I think um, we'll be back with part two, and uh, if I'm not offended you too much, then hopefully you'll <laughs> come back and, and listen and and get all our diatribes about um, all the acts. So <laughs> I'll probably end up cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all cancelled, mate. To be honest. <laughs> um, but anyway. Thanks very much for listening as ever and please take care of yourself everybody and uh, we'll see you we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.